All right, good morning, everyone. Great to see all of you here. Um, just a quick question, and maybe you could share with your neighbor. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Uh, what do you want to be said at your funeral? Okay, just kind of a eulogy that someone would give to speak on how you lived your life. Okay, just kind of think about that. And might be like, Pastor, why are you being so morbid this morning? Hey, we're going to be talking about life and death. I'm just going to let you know, okay, up front. So, uh, just maybe with the person next to you, maybe you could just share. What do you want to be said about you on that day when you pass? All right, so go ahead. All right, I'm not going to ask you to share your answer, but um, I just want to remind you of something. We have one life, and life is so precious. And it goes by so quickly. And soon, uh, we will all pass. Uh, it's going to come faster than you think. I'm glad some of the youth kids are here, because I want to let you know. You might be like, man, I'm 13. Summer feels like three years. Man, and no, and, and you know, we're all there. It goes by fast. And what do you want life to be about? And the hard thing here, and it's, we call America kind of like this country of blessing. But because we have so many options and things that we can live for, it kind of messes us up. Because we can live for so many different things. And when you think about, man, when I die, I want my life to be this, but is your life consistent with that now? One of the things that we hope that we will never hear about our lives is that it was wasted. Because that's one of the worst things you can hear about a life, isn't it? I, was, uh, I came across this article about this uh, girl named Stacy Irvine. And uh, this is her picture. Am I shooting it up? Just a wonderful girl. Um, her life was wasted because she got famous because her life was about McDonald's. Now, it sounds a little funny, but I don't mean it to be funny at all. Um, I don't know if you could tell those are all those McDonald's toys. From the age of two until she died at the age of 17, the only thing that she ate was chicken McNuggets. By the age of 10 to, I think, about 12, that her doctors told her, if you do not change your diet, you will die. You will die. But she could not get over this, and life became McDonald's. The question for us this morning, because I'm sure maybe if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this verse before. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What I want to strike home this morning is this equation. Life equals what for you? See, maybe we know what we wanted to say, but what does it say currently now based on the time, energy, effort, commitment, priorities in your life? Because we're going to look at Paul, and he's going to define life for himself. And what does he say in verse 21? He says something very simple. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Did you know that in the Greek, there's not even an active verb in that verse? So it literally says, for me, life equals Christ, death equals gain. 
It was very clear. And he was facing death. I mean, death was on his doorstep. He was in prison. Paul was almost at any day he thought, oh, I could die. And what he wanted to get across is that for me, life simply, the totality of it, if you just add up everything I do, everything I'm about, everything I think about, everything I dream about, everything I'm committed to, that word, if I can describe it, would be Jesus. And if we study the Bible at all, that is a life well lived. Amen? I know it's rainy, and I feel like I have to keep training us to do this, but, you know, I do love it when if you really, if, if it resonates you, I don't want it to be all fake, like, amen, but I don't really believe what you're saying. But if you really like, man, that, that's truth. That's God's word. That's a life well lived, amen? I mean, that's how, hopefully for all of us, I mean, I hope that when I die, they don't say, man, he was tall. I don't care about that. When I die, I hope they can say, look, Pastor John, he was weird. He, you know, maybe shouted a lot. But I know one thing. He lived for Christ. If they can say that, I've lived my life well. Where are you in this? Because we can read this. We can tattoo it on our arm. We could have a coffee mug that says, for me to live as Christ. But where are we in our time, commitments, and priorities? The thing I love about this is that this is not just a personal testimony about Paul saying, hey, look at me. I'm bragging. This is my life. Hey, I'm a super Christian. Hey, hey, you're not as good as me. That's not what he's doing. He's just trying to define for every Christian what that looks like. And then now in verse 27, if you read on, he's going to command the church to do the same. So take a look at verse 27, if you have your Bible. And he says this, now speaking to the church, he's going to resonate and repeat a command form of what he just shared in verse 21, which is this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He's saying, for the church, your life, the way you lived it, may be worthy of Jesus. Because that's how he lived his life. Because he knew that's what our calling as believers are. Because Jesus gave us life. And now we have the privilege to live for him. So we're called to do that. We're called to live in that fashion. I hope that when people look at our lives... They would say, wow, he or she lives he or she's life in a way where I can see that Jesus is worth it. There are people dying on this earth to try to find something worth living for. Did you know that? There are people dying to find something that they can value as something very high. And when they look at our lives, do they see, wow, CrossFit is very worth it. Is that what we're saying? with our lives, or by our manner of life, can they look at our lives and say, he or she, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Because that's what Paul is saying, man, that's what our manner of life should look like. You know, I, I love Starbucks coffee. Any of you guys? Anyone else? Okay, there's only a few truthers in here. <laughs> but I know a lot of people love and know that I love it. And so they give me gift cards for Christmas and stuff. But, you know, I have a few other people in my life 
who tried to convert me to like coffee bean. So I gave him a chance, you know. I said, all right. Convince me that coffee bean is worth my time and energy and life. So um, I don't want to call out Pastor Sam on our staff, but he's a coffee bean guy. So, you know, he'll take me and sometimes he'll even bring me, you know, coffee bean and I'll drink it. You know, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be nice and it's, oh, it's good. But deep down, I know this is not my, this is not worth my time. It's not worth my money. <laughs> it's not. There are people looking at the church, the believers are in Christ. And I hope that there will be a consistency from our life and what we say. Because, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. He loves me and I love him. And, and we use those words. But I hope someone could see me throughout the week on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And they'll see me. And hopefully they won't see like golf is worth it. Or they won't see that this and such and such is worth it. But they can see a consistency because Jesus is worth it. And so our manner of life needs to say life equals Christ. It's tricky in our culture. And this is what John Piper says in his book, Don't Waste Your Life. He says the tricky part is that we are wired in a way and it challenges us. He says this, I am wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to just love what others love. I start to call earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries, needs, and using my money just the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into a secular mindset that looks first to what man can do, not what God can do. It is a terrible sickness. See, what he's trying to tell you is this. We don't live in the extremes a lot of times. It's not like God or I choose devil. A lot of times it's we love God. We know that as Christians here. We love God, but it's, we get enticed and we get slowly just sucked into just more and more of the world. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where God is nowhere to be found. And we got to be careful because we get so sucked into different things. For example, um, you know, maybe this is going to shock some of you because some of you guys like K-pop. But I'm not really full aware of K-pop and the world and how it's consuming the world. It's taking over. So I was doing this research on like life is because there's like a hashtag life is and people post stuff and things. Did you know that there is this like kind of hashtag life is and there is, I guess, the the biggest K-pop band is, who is it? Anyone know? Big Bang. Yeah, see, you guys know. See, I didn't even know who they were, really, until Sergio, our staff person, introduced me to them. <laughs> and uh, so this is the band. And there is blog after blog after blog of people that this is what they do. And I kid you not, there is research done, and they are saying that there are people addicted to this band so much that they spend nine hours on YouTube every single day to watch them. 
I guess apparently one of them is coming and they're going to have a concert in LA. Did you know that? Yeah, some of you do. <laughs> I was doing research on tickets. It's crazy. There are people posting on Instagram tickets that they bought for this guy named G-Dragon. I don't know which one is G-Dragon, but he's one of them. And they are buying tickets and they're posting of like $300, $400, $500. There's one ticket that they were selling for $1,800 to get into the first row. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. If you don't like this band, that's very silly to you, right? You're going to be like, $500? That's crazy. Right? But there's something in your heart that you would spend $500 for on this world. It's just because you don't like them. See, some of you, if, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you, if I said $500, you could have tickets right now, you'd be like, here's my credit card. See, I don't think these people that are watching nine hours, when they started on this journey, they didn't go from like zero to nine hours, right? They started and it was slowly like, oh, I like them. They're kind of cool. And then, oh, I watched them like 30 minutes and then an hour and then two hours and three hours and four hours. And then that's what happens in our lives. And that's what Piper is saying. He's saying, see, as Christians, we know that Christ is better, but it's slowly the world entices us little by little. And so the question you have to ask yourself, and I love this verse because it confronts us and it rebukes us to consider what is it that we prioritize over Christ? Because our life should be lived in a manner that is worthy of the God of this universe who has saved us, who has loved us, who has died for us, and now will give us everything in the heavenly beings. So is your life worthy of that? Are you living in that way that reflects the beauty and worth and majesty of our God? He goes on to say, to die is gain. And I love this. Okay. Because for Paul, uh, death wasn't you know, something to be feared. Uh, it wasn't just loss. But for him, it meant more of Jesus. So that's why he's saying there's gain. Because he's saying if I die, I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus. Right? This is why in 2 Corinthians 5.8, he says, right? He says to be away from the body, right, is to be what? At home with the Lord. And that's where he longed to be because that's the definition of heaven. It's home with Jesus. Uh, you know, I was one time speaking at a youth uh, uh, retreat and I was talking about heaven and how it's so wonderful and how you should look forward to it. And I was talking about heaven and I, I defined it as you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And that was not attractive to some of the youth kids. They're like, What? So I had, I'm, this is no joke. I had one kid come up to me and say, Pastor John, I don't want to go to heaven. I said, why? You don't want to go to heaven? Why? He's like, I have to get married. I have a lot of things to do, right? I have so many things that I need to do. But you see, that's, that's the struggle. See, when you value Christ, see, for Paul, because Jesus was worth this much, nothing else on this earth can compare. But that's the struggle. And for him, he's saying, look, for me to die is to be at home with the Lord, and home is where I long to be.
And then he goes on in verse 22 through 24, which I think doesn't get enough attention, right? So I want us to turn there because I want to read there. It's very powerful. Because we all know verse 21, maybe, if you've grown up in the church. But I want to read 22 to 24. He says this, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want to die. That is better. He's not trying to be morbid, but he's trying to explain to you because that means more time forever eternity with Jesus, my Lord. So that's better. But I'm going to stay on this earth. And while I am here, what is he saying? He's saying, I am going to be serving you. I am going to be serving the ministry. If you want to know how to live life well, he explains it in these four verses, which is love God, make him central. And then love others. It's the greatest command right here. What he's telling you is I live for Christ. And that means I worship him. I make him central. He's prioritized. And then while I'm here, that means that I live for others. I live for the church. The thing that God has called me to, I'm going to pour my life into that. Because I love God and I'm going to serve others. This is the greatest command right here lived out. You want to live life well, you live for God and you live for others. That's what it is. And because he's consumed with that, death has no say in his life. So my prayer for all of us is that as we hear these words, we would consider, what am I giving my time, energy, effort, resources, mind space to? When I say life equals blank, what is it that is prioritized, ultimate, and central in my life? It should be Jesus. It should be. But there's a challenge living on this earth to make other things more important, and it slowly creeps in. Where then all of a sudden, Jesus plus other things is our life, or Jesus becomes optional. I wanted to end with this story. Every time I preach this verse, I preach it a lot. Um, I can't help but think about this one story because... um, I was in Harbin, China. It's in northeast China. And so I was there on missions with my mom. And we went to go visit 15 college students at this underground church. So our missionary took us down this alley. We went downstairs, and then we got to have a Bible study. I'll never forget this. And every time I I, I hear this verse and I have to preach it, I can't help but share the story. And so we're having tea and talking, and he's translating. He's introducing me and my mom. And he's saying, oh, they came from America. They wanted to share with you. And then my missionary didn't tell me that I was going to preach a sermon. But he just told me. He's like, oh, and now Pastor John is going to share a sermon. I was like, all right, let's do it. This is a mission, so let's do it. So you know what verse I preached? Philippians 121. Because that's one of my favorite passages. So I got up there and I was, you know how when you feel like you're in the zone? You know what I'm saying? I was preaching. I was yelling. I was going crazy. 15 minutes, I was trying to, ah, and you know, Jesus is worth it. He's so valuable. You need to live for him. I was going crazy. And you know how you finish something and you sit down and you're like, that was good. <laughs> you, you know, you know, like, so that's how I felt. I'm like, that was, that was home run. I sat down. We finished our time with them. Then afterwards, and I'll never forget this, my missionary, my host missionary pulled me aside. 
And he said, uh, Pastor John. I said, yes. And I was expecting him to be like, thank you for sharing the word. It moved. You know, that, that's what I was expecting. It's not what I got. You know what I got? He said, why are you yelling at these kids? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. And then what he told me profoundly transformed my life. He said this, these kids, they have left family, they have been in jail, they have been persecuted for their faith. For them, accepting Jesus and living for Jesus is not optional. You don't need to yell at them. They are here because Jesus is everything. And then I was so floored by what he said. And I walked away. And here's the thing. I got so used to, in the American church, trying to convince people that Jesus is valuable, Jesus is worth it, please put aside other things and just live for Jesus. I got so used to living and preaching in that manner that I forgot that Jesus should be everything, that he is everything. And there's so many people in this world that don't have an option. It's Jesus means death, Risk, and I say yes to that. But we live in a land of blessing with so many options and so many choices and the freedom to choose religion. My hope and prayer, my brothers and sisters, is that Jesus wouldn't be optional, that he wouldn't be additional, but that life would be Jesus See, in our culture, it would be challenging, it would be difficult, but there are people looking at us, and I hope they will see how people sold out for Christ, because he is worth it. That's my prayer for all of us. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for brothers like Paul was not perfect but through your Holy Spirit through your grace God he reminds us of how to live life well like none of us God I know in this room want to just live life wasting away days and hours God, we want to live life in a way where we can say, Jesus, we live for you and you alone, God. That you are glorified in the short time that we had here. Whatever that means for us. Maybe some of us are overconsumed, oversaturated with things that we ought not to be. Holy Spirit, do your work. Remind us. Help us to cut out some of those things to make you central. We love you and thank you that you've given us life and now may we live it for you, God. Thank you and in your name we pray. Amen.